coming up on Locked on Buckeyes. Has it been that long for Michigan? Yes, it has. We'll reminisce how crazy this winning streak is for Ohio State and how long it's been since Michigan last beat the Buckeyes in Columbus. Good Wednesday. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. We'll talk about that. Also, is it good for Michigan to win a couple games in the rivalry every once in a while? Yeah, not really. Not going to leave much suspense on that side of the discussion. But is it good for Michigan to get wins outside of the rivalry? We will talk about that. Also coming up later in the show, Ryan Day's success offensively. How much better, if any, has it been over the Urban Meyer offenses at Ohio State? And we'll preview Ohio State Rutgers as the Buckeyes look to get back on track at home this evening against the Scarlet Knights. I'll tell you what needs to happen for Ohio State going forward. All that and more today on Locked on Buckeyes. Find and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Make sure you spread the good cheer about the Ohio State Buckeyes and Locked on Buckeyes podcast specifically. Find and follow us, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play the Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked on Buckeyes. We'll be back in just a moment to talk about Ohio State's dominance over Michigan. I was doing a little thinking on Tuesday, and it's usually dangerous when you get into this territory, right? You, you do too much thinking, and sometimes bad things come from it. But there's a lot of Michigan discussion going around on Twitter various for various reasons, a, a couple reasons. Number one, today, Wednesday, February 12th, 2020, marks 3,000 days since the last time that Michigan, that team up north, defeated Ohio State. November 26th, 2011 in Ann Arbor. That was the lame duck season. Interim coach Luke Fickle filling in for Jim Trestle. Ohio State, of course, going to what turned out to be a very costly and useless bowl appearance against Florida that year when Urban Meyer came in the very next season could have potentially played Alabama, or I'm sorry, played Notre Dame instead of Alabama for a national championship. But by playing in that game, they did not uh, did not go on to play in the postseason thanks to a very costly bull ban. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the positive. That was the last time that Ohio State lost to Michigan. Eight years running now that Ohio State has won the game, almost Nine years, about a little eight, a little over eight and a half years, or a little under eight and a half years, I should say. I'm getting my math all tangled up in my mind. But eight and a half years almost since Ohio State last lost to Michigan, 3,000 days as of today. And I was thinking about that. The crazy feat, the, the crazy way to look at this is all of the freshmen and probably most of the sophomores currently enrolled at Ohio State, the Ohio State University right now, have never experienced what it's like to lose to Michigan in Columbus. Think about this. The last time Ohio State lost to Michigan was November of 2000 when Steve Belisari was the quarterback for Ohio State. Drew Henson was the quarterback for Michigan and I was thinking about this, and I remember this game very vividly, because I'm going to tell a little story. I was debating whether or not I should actually say this, but it's kind of a funny story. I'm not ashamed of it, uh, so I'm going to relay it anyway. The reason I remember this in the context of 
being the last time that Ohio State lost is that was the game that I watched from county jail. Yes, I'm going to admit this. I spent 10 days in jail in 2000 for a very youthful indiscretion, a youthful mistake, something I shouldn't have done, but uh, I did not pay a previous speeding ticket, and I was driving under a suspended license because of not paying that ticket, and I was being pulled over by a cop, and I panicked, and I did not pull over. The good news here is is I did not run. I did not speed. I just didn't pull over right away. Uh, my, the thinking in my head was, hey, I'll, I'll get to my house, and I'll get out, and then I'll cooperate with the cops, and at least the car will be parked in the driveway, and everything will be kosher, right? You know, I might spend the night in jail, but at least the car will be back, and uh, my family would be aware of what's going on and all that. Well, long story short, it did not work out quite so well. I came, uh, stepped out of my car to guns drawn, wind up in jail. Big mistake on my part. I realized that then I of course know it as I'm much older in life now, but the bottom line is I wound up having to pick 10 days to spend in jail. And one of those days happened to be the day of the Ohio state Michigan game. The really funny part of this story is if that wasn't funny enough of me spending 10 days in jail was watching the game in the cell block with pretty much everybody being Michigan fans. I know you're probably shocked at that, right? That in central Ohio, the, the people, the majority of the people in the jail watching the Ohio state Michigan game are self-proclaimed Michigan fans. Like I'm not kidding. There were probably, I don't know. Uh, looking back on it now, probably 18 to 20 people in the cell block, and I bet uh, all but one or two of them, myself included, probably one other person was watching not as a Michigan fan. It was it was really, truly remarkable. But that was the last time, November of 2000, that Ohio State lost to Michigan in Columbus. Could you imagine if you rewind, rewound in history and – well, coming out of the stadium that day or shutting off the television after the game ended and somebody telling you in the middle of what had been 13 long years under John Cooper that in 2020, Ohio State would still have not lost to Michigan in Columbus in the next 10 meetings or that Michigan would have only won three times in the next 17 years. Uh, on that day, I know I would not have ever imagined that. But here you are in 2020, freshmen and most sophomores at The Ohio State University still have not experienced what it's like for that team up north to march down south across enemy lines and beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. It just has not happened in so long. And if you're young and you have not experienced it or you were too young to remember the last time it happened, Please, I, I, I beg of you, just do not take this for granted. This is not normal. I, I cannot imagine, despite the success of Ryan Day right now and despite the mediocrity when it comes to playing better competition under Jim Harbaugh by Michigan and the previous coaching staff or coaches of you know Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, I just cannot imagine this streak continuing to the extent that it has. So please do not take the success for granted because you just don't know when it's going to end. People that were around watching Ohio State football under John Cooper, boy, I cannot relay, if you're too young to remember, I cannot relay what it was like to live through those experiences, but you just could not imagine back then Ohio State ever beating Michigan regularly again. It just felt like it would never happen. 
even though there was some optimism when Jim Trussell was hired that he would turn it around, and despite the fact he proclaimed success on the field in 300-some days against Michigan, there was still some uh, skepticism. There was disbelief because it's one thing to say it, and you can get all excited that a coach is going to change the fortunes, but at that point, it still seemed really unlikely, if not impossible, especially to do what Ohio State did under Trestle and then Urban Meyer continuing that success. It just didn't, you never, ever would have imagined that sort of turnaround in this rivalry. But here we are, 20 years later, almost 20 years later, 19 years later since Jim Trestle took over. And it's been crazy, but 16-3 and since that time. It really is truly remarkable. 20 years since the last time Michigan won in Columbus, 3,000 days since Michigan beat Ohio State anywhere. So there was another discussion going on on Twitter on on Tuesday. Uh, James Yoder, Yoder, very controversial figure with Michigan, the Michigan fan base, and the University of Michigan, which absolutely goes out of their way to discredit that dude. Right or wrong, I don't know his situation enough to ever comment. But I, you know, I see what he talks about on Twitter, and I've interacted with him a few times, and he seems misunderstood to me. But I just don't know. I mean, I'm not going to issue any kind of commentary because I don't know. But he was joking around and actually talking about Ohio State fans, and this was not really a serious conversation. But Ohio State fans maybe wanting Michigan to win a couple games here and there in the rivalry to keep it a rivalry because there is this discussion among the Ohio State fan base whether it's good for Michigan to win and keep it a rivalry. Now, nobody that is an actual Ohio State fan wants to see Michigan ever beat Ohio State again. I think we're all content. I'm pretty sure as I speak to you on the podcast here, I am willing to bet if I took a poll and and we're catching you in an honest moment, do you want Michigan to beat Ohio State to keep it a rivalry just occasionally? And I'm sure that none of you Absolutely none of you realistically are going to say yes, that that you want that to happen. But there is a little bit more of a debate in a discussion. Is it good for Michigan to win other games outside of the game at the end of the year? And I know there is a divide among Ohio State fans as to whether that's good for the league and whether that's good for the rivalry. Personally, this is where I stand, but I see both sides of this. I know some of you say you would never, ever root for Michigan in any other game, in any other situation. I see some of you even go so far to say you would never do that, even if it benefited Ohio State. And I don't get that, I don't get that line of thinking, but I can understand not wanting Michigan to win in ordinary circumstances. But I think, especially right now, where we are in the college football playoff era, where one trip up can keep you out of the playoff and perception does matter because if you think about it, Alabama is in a situation where if they lose to Auburn, they have an opportunity and have gotten into the playoff because of the perception of the SEC and Auburn specifically. So Ohio state, I think it is good for Michigan to win other games outside of Ohio state. Now we've seen this backfire Actually, that's the ironic thing. People have seen this backfire, okay? You rooting against Michigan in 2015 when Michigan State had that crazy pump block for a touchdown. Everybody laughed at that and were enjoying that so much. 
But that Michigan loss, as it turns out, kept Ohio State out of the playoff. So sometimes I think you're going to see the bigger picture here. I think it is good for Michigan generally to be a good program, which keeps just a little bit of energy in the in the rivalry, even if Ohio State is dominating it. Although it is lopsided, just Michigan being good and being relevant at the end of the year, I think is good for the rivalry, even if it's not a rivalry. It's good for the series. It's good for the league. But most importantly, it's good for Ohio State. I think at, with this four-team playoff as it currently stands, Michigan having only one loss after the Ohio State game or being undefeated or having one loss going into the Ohio State game keeps Ohio State with better odds of getting into the playoff, especially if they have a loss and they beat Michigan or if they're undefeated and lose to Michigan, they have a better shot at getting into the playoff. Now, the calculation here, the, the math changes if we head into an 18 playoff, which I think is coming soon, because you're going to have conference champions automatically getting in otherwise, and you're going to have two, maybe three at-large bids where you have more wiggle room for teams to get in. So I think in that situation, it's easier for the Ohio State fan base to say, screw Michigan, I just want them to lose every single game, and then it's not really going to matter. But right now, in the system we are in currently, whether you like it or not, there is a beauty pageant that happens in college football every year. And you want Ohio State to be the pretty girl at the end of the pageant. You want them to get look good in the nightgowns because that's what gets you into the, the playoff. And beating Michigan, beating a good Michigan team right now, I think, is more advantageous. So you can set aside your hatred of Michigan enough to want them to win most other games because Ohio State beating them is good for the Buckeyes. Of course, there's always that risk that losing to a good Michigan team puts Michigan with a chance. I know gasp. This hasn't happened yet but it could, puts Michigan in Indianapolis playing for a Big Ten title and possibly a college football playoff. We, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that we can say safely you don't want that to happen, and that's always a risk of Michigan being good and Michigan winning games. But at the end of the day, whether you're a Buckeye fan or not, I don't think it really matters that Ohio State or that Michigan continues to win as long as Ohio State takes care of the business at the end of the year in November. So that's just my take on the matter, but it's interesting 3,000 days now since Michigan has beat Ohio State, almost 20 years, it'll be 20 years of the season since Ohio State last lost in Columbus to that team up north. Pretty incredible streak. It's just, uh, it really was something else. When I started thinking about that, how long it's been because I still have those memories, those vivid images in my head, how long it's been. I remember that game. It's crazy that it's been almost two decades. Really, really crazy stuff. We'll talk more about Ryan Day and the Ohio State offense and the optimism coming into this next season. Coming up next on Locked on Buckeyes. Locked on Buckeyes podcast is doing big things. The Locked on Podcast Network doing even bigger things. You may not know the Locked On Buckeyes is a great way for your local business to reach passionate 
Buckeye fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Buckeyes gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners in Columbus and the state of Ohio. Not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. Reach Buckeye fans everywhere, especially locally. If your company wants to connect with Ohio State fans, a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team to achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you right away. I want to discuss the Ohio State basketball game coming up tonight against Rutgers here in just a minute. But first, I wanted to touch on this topic a little bit because I saw it over the weekend. There was a discussion about Ohio State's offense under Ryan Day and how much better, if any, it's been over the days of Urban Meyer. And so I wanted to look at this because I had my own initial knee-jerk reactions. But while I'll, I'll touch about on this topic a little bit more and in depth. We'll talk about it more coming into the spring. And there's a lot of time to look back and also look forward at what Ohio State's going to do under Ryan Day, because certainly the recruiting is looking extremely good, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The number of weapons signing and committing to Ohio State is incredible. The quarterback talent is there, the offensive line talent. Ohio State's offense looks to be in really, really good hands for the immediate and long-term future of the Buckeyes. But I thought it was interesting because there is a perception, it certainly exists, that Ohio State's offense is a lot more complete and a lot better overall than it was under Urban Meyer. And I looked at this, and there is a little bit of truth to it, but it's not. I think it's been greatly exaggerated a little bit by some people because the offensive ranks under Urban Meyer averaged number 23 in the country. And that doesn't seem, and I'm using yards per play, by the way, I'm using yards per play because I think it's the best measure of success. I know you would think scoring is, but when you actually look into the future and try to project winners of football games, yards per play, especially adjusted for competition, is actually a little bit more reliable than scoring because scoring can be a product of, of bad defense and good defense and special teams blunders, punting mistakes, really good special teams return units you can really get a lot of noise in scoring from game to game and even within a season. So sometimes yards per play is a little bit more uh, reliable going forward. So I looked at yards per play ranks for Ohio State offenses under Urban Meyer. And as it turns out, they averaged 23 out of 130 plus teams. That doesn't seem very good, but when you consider some of the G5 teams that play lesser competition. You throw in some of those, uh, I guess you can call them mid-major FPS schools. I know mid-major is more of a basketball term, but you throw those teams in the mix and some of those teams finish ahead that are playing weaker competition. So you get a little noise within the rankings. But when you look at teams like Alabama, they're ranked during those same exact years, uh, 2012 to 2018, 
was number 16 in the country. Their average rank, that is, number 16. Alabama 16, Ohio State 23. Clemson, surprisingly, was way down at 40. So Ohio State, which ranked number seven this past year, or number six, I guess it was, in yards per play under Ryan Day, that certainly was a little bit better than the ranks under Urban Meyer, although Urban's best years in 2014, 2017, were actually very, very similar as well. So there's not a big difference. In fact, they averaged 6.8 yards per play this past year. In 2017, they also averaged 6.8 yards per play. 2014, they averaged 6.7 yards per play. So the offensive were really actually very comparable. Now, I will say this. Those yards per play numbers are, are just raw. They're not taking into account the competition that Ohio State faced. This past year, Ohio State faced several, I think it was five or six top 25 defenses. So I think when you add in for competition, which I have not actually gone and done because this wasn't really supposed to be a big math project, but I did want to take a look and compare. I would say this past year was probably the most impressive because of the defenses they played. Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, all being really good defenses. Of course, they faced Wisconsin twice. They faced Clemson there in the bowl game. So when you add all that in, this was probably the best offensive performance, but all I'm saying is it wasn't as big of a difference from a couple of the Urban Meyer offenses as you would think. I think what happened this year is aesthetically, it was much more pleasing because they had more balance. They were able to run. Justin Fields is a true pocket passer. Maybe not quite as good as Dwayne Haskins yet, but very, very close So because of the balance in the offense that they had, because of the play calling, which looked a lot more crisp and consistent at times, you know, Urban Meyer was very predictable in his play calling. And to be fair to him, I don't think it was a weakness in his play calling as much as when you have a quarterback like JT Barrett, for instance, where you can rely on getting a couple of tough yards with his feet I, I don't blame Urban for wanting to take advantage of that. Okay, that's a great weapon to have. And there were times because Barrett could not throw as well, because Cardell Jones, who was great in 2014, was not having a great season in 2015, they didn't feel comfortable throwing the ball. And Braxton Miller was never as great of a passer. So there were times under those years where they did not have the consistency with a passing quarterback as they had under Dwayne Haskins where they had to throw because they could not run or Justin Fields where they could do a little bit of both. So to sum it up, I do think this past year was a better offense than they've had under Urban Meyer. I don't necessarily think that's the coaching. I think they just happened to have the right personnel together where they had one of the best run offensive lines in the country And they also had a true dual-threat quarterback that was consistent as a passer and as a runner. So going forward down the line, I trust Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, and this offensive staff. I really believe they are going to put together some of the best offensive seasons we've ever seen at Ohio State. And I think you can credit Ryan Day for that. But I don't necessarily think it's fair to hold that against Urban Meyer, even if you think the offenses are better now or will be better. I just think the quarterback is such an important position. And 
having a guy like Justin Fields puts them in a great position because Dwayne Haskins in 2018, they did have that passing quarterback, but he didn't have the running ability and he did not have the consistent run blocking offensive line. So they have all that now. They have the receivers and the quarterback and the offensive line and the run game. So is Ryan Day's offense better than Urban Meyer? I say yes with an asterisk and a caveat that it it is by a little bit, but I also think personnel needs to be taken into account here because that is so, so much of it. So such a big part is personnel and Urban Meyer. It's not entirely his fault that they just didn't quite have that consistent passer. JT Barrett, by the way, please don't rip on him because I still think he's underrated and underappreciated by the Ohio state fan base. You can't deny that guy is a warrior. He's a leader, great runner, and he made some plays with his arm. Not as many as he needed to at times, but man, you don't get much better as a college quarterback than JT Barrett. You, you can get better, but not much better, and not many guys are. But it'll be fun to watch this Ryan Day offense evolve. I think the next several years are going to be euphoria for Buckeye fans. I'm big on C.J. Stroud, and I'm not writing off Jack Miller or Kyle McCord behind him. I just think C.J. Stroud is going to be a stud. And I think that line for years to come, the receiving core for years to come, I think they'll get the running back situation figured out very quickly. I know it's been bizarrely disappointing at times, but I think they'll get it figured out. We'll talk more about that, but Ohio State basketball back in action tonight. Real quick point I want to make on this. Chris Holtman echoed this week my thoughts on Ohio State basketball. The offense is okay. It's actually number two in raw points per possession in Big Ten play only. Adjusted for competition, they're still third or fourth in the Big Ten. The offensive efficiency is actually adjusted for competition the same as it's been in the non-conference. The only thing that has changed, the defense is giving up 22 points more per 100 possessions on average adjusted for competition than it was in the non-conference schedule. As Chris Holtman pointed out, that is where the attention needs to be focused on right now. They need to work on continuing to lower the turnovers. That's no question. The turnovers have to get better consistently, but they're shooting the ball really, really well. So when they're getting shots off, they're making a pretty high percentage on the average. Like every single team in college basketball, there will be nights where they have miserable shooting performances. That is going to happen, okay? It happens to everybody. But on the average, Ohio State's effective field goal percentage is one of the best in the country. That is not at the issue. They Offensively, the only issue is turning the ball over. They've got to work on turnovers. But defense has fallen off. This is going to be a big test for Ohio State tonight because Rutgers is really bad on the road. They've only had one win away from home all season, and that was at Nebraska. So Ohio State has to protect home court. Rutgers is not very good offensively. They have one guy that Ohio State will need to pay attention to, and that's Geo Baker. He is the heart and soul of that offense. He is their scorer, their go-to guy. He outscored Northwestern the other night in their comeback. They were down 18 to Northwestern, 16 in the second half. They outsc- Geo Baker outscored Northwestern in the last 15 minutes, 10 in regulation, 
five in overtime. He alone outscored Northwestern 18-16. He did it mostly dribble penetration. Northwestern had nobody that could stop him. Interestingly enough, that has been Ohio State's biggest issue with their defense in the Big Ten competition. It's been stopping dribble penetration because their, their secondary help is actually really very good. The problem is when you give up dribble penetration, it forces secondary defenders to come over and stop the penetration, which, of course, as you know, leads uh, secondary passing and outside shooting. And that's what's killing Ohio State. Because they're giving up the dribble penetration, they're also giving out giving up the kickouts for three-point looks. And that is why their defense, I think, is suffering so much. Now, why are they giving up dribble penetration? I have two theories on this. Number one, I think the communication has been bad ever since the injuries and suspensions happened. I don't feel like the communication and the connectedness is there on defense. And that's a big part of it. I think the other part of it, and this is just a theory, Ohio State's game planning is very evolved, okay? It's very in-depth. Defensively, they work hard on which guys you're going to switch on and which guys you're going to spend extra attention to. The primary scorers of the opposing teams are the guys that Ohio State coaching staff prefers to try to take out of the game. And sometimes they're willing to give up extra looks, okay, more space and three-point looks for the secondary low-percentage shooters. Now, mathematically, this is a very good strategy for Ohio State or for any team that, for that matter, okay? But Ohio State has been doing it so much. I think it's, I think it's causing confusion in their defensive communication because they're a little bit more thorough with which guys they're willing to spend time on. But I also think that there's some bad luck because they're allowing these low percentage shooters more looks. They're kind of just in, in a bad rut right now. Yeah, some would say, well, Ohio State's giving up a lot of open looks to three-point shooters, and that's true. Some of it is by design, though, and I think they're low percentage shooters for a reason. You're willing to let them have open looks because they are low percentage shooters. And I know some would say, well, if you're open, you're going to make a higher percentage that's true, but it's actually not as much as you would think. So they are giving up more open looks, some of it by design, some of it by created chaos because of miscommunication on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's the problem with the defense right now. I think it all starts with dribble penetration, though. If they start communicating better and stop the dribble penetration, I think everything else will kind of take care of itself. So Ohio State needing to get home wins this week against Rutgers and Purdue. It's got a, not an easy schedule. There's nothing easy in the Big Ten, but it's got a favorable schedule the rest of the way. Ohio State, if they can take care of business at home this week against these two teams that have been very poor on the road, then it has a very good chance to finish the season strong. And at that point, at this point, all that really matters for Ohio State is just getting hot right around tournament time. And then once you get in the NCAA tournament, away from this crazy Big Ten, away from the physical play, who knows? I think this Ohio State team and everybody in the Big Ten will be capable of advancing once it gets into the tournament into a more free-flowing game where teams just are not as physical and it's not a rugby-style basketball game. So Ohio State Rutgers coming up tonight 
big game, Scarlet against Scarlet, the visiting Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Like I said, one win away from the rack this year. They're undefeated at home, but they only have one win away from home. So a chance for the Buckeyes to get back into the win column. That'll do it for the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Thanks for giving us a listen. Make sure you tell your friends and family members, anybody you know that want to listen to Ohio State Buckeyes podcasting up to five days a week. Send them our way. Find and follow Locked On Buckeyes on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked On Buckeyes Singular. Thanks for giving us a listen. We'll be back with more Locked On Buckeyes on Thursday. Have a great day, everybody.